As photographers, we're often told to submit our work. Maybe there's a local exhibition, a magazine competition, a local club event, or even a portfolio review. Some of us are far better about getting our stuff out there than others. I would have to admit I'm certainly of the latter. Of course, the idea behind it all is that we share our stuff with others, hopefully gain some constructive criticism, and just get into the habit of processing our work from point A to Z. But editing can be hard, and wading through those thousand pictures you took at Frostfest can be daunting if not emotionally draining. And yet, it's critical to be able to distance ourselves emotionally in order to see our work from an objective perspective. Well, my guest this week is Chair of the Spark Juried Exhibition, an important and interactive element of the Spark Photo Festival in Peterborough, which is, yes, designed to celebrate the photographic arts. But having had a rare career in the photography business, he too hit a point where he needed to reach above what he was doing and challenge himself again. This week, I chat with Randy Romano about how he goes about making selections, the benefits of sharing our work by getting it out there, and last but not least, his work in street photography. Welcome to Depths of Field. Welcome to Depth of Field. Thank you for taking time out for me today. Do you want to start by introducing yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Randy Romano. I'm uh, a photographer primarily interested in uh, street and documentary photography right now. Um, I've been in the photography business for a long time. I picked up my first camera when I was 16. I won't tell you how long ago that was, <laughs> but it was a while ago. And I've been photographing ever since. I think basically up until a few years ago, I would consider myself kind of a confused photographer because I did a lot of work, um, a lot of work to continue to photograph by earning money. And I, I did a lot of stuff, assignments, some stock photography, tourism photography, commercial interior, exterior photography. I did that for quite a while. And I was able to make enough money to be able to continue to photograph even though I raised a family of four kids, and so it was money was tight. So I was always sort of able to do it on the side and make enough money to continue. And that's always amazing. That's kind of mm-hmm. the goal, the aspiration. <laughs> yeah. No, so it, it, I mean, I'm lucky that way. And probably about 2012, I guess, I, I kind of got out of the, the, the actual business of, uh, of photography, of making money and started to open up my personal work and found that uh, my personal work was deemed by some professional photographers as being kind of ordinary because I had spent so much time shooting for clients Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, aimed my photography towards them. And I, you know, I thought, well, I must be pretty good by now because I'm, you know, satisfying all these clients' needs and keeping them happy. But when I... When I strove out and, and took a, this was at the Contact Photo Festival, I did a portfolio review. Mm-hmm. I took a workshop with a really, really good photographer, a magnum photographer. Mm-hmm. I found that I my work was kind of not as great as what I had hoped it was going to be. Was so this, I really had to raise my level. Was this the workshop you did with Mark Power? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did a couple. You're right. <laughs> so, I, I I noticed. Uh, I wanted to ask you about them actually. So this is perfect. But um, what uh, can I ask you before before we get too started into that? What uh, what the workshop looked like and how how you found it? Well, it's. I, I don't know if you know anything about Magnum Photography. It's. Um, a bit. I'll just explain that. It's a. It's a group of um, really elite 
photographers that are primarily interested in documentary and photojournalism. And it includes uh, some of the most uh, famous historical photographers, people like Henry Cartier-Bresson, and it's, it's kind of a renowned uh, group of, of photographers. They, they sell their work, they're, they're involved in, in seminars and, and workshops. So this workshop was a full week of going out and shooting and then coming back every day and having your work kind of analyzed as to what you photographed that day. So it was it was very challenging. <clears throat> we kind of worked um, we we worked a specific project and tried to accomplish it, and then we uh, we all came together at the end and saw each other's work. But it was a real eye opener for me. I realized that I wasn't you know I wasn't as far advanced as what I had hoped, and so that really kicked me into high gear to work harder. Um, do things like look at the history of photography and start looking at the works of great photographers. That had been probably my biggest mistake up till then. I had not delved into uh, looking up the very best master photographers. And that, that really, when I started to do that, when I started to open myself up and look at some of the works, it really... Um, helped me move forward in photography. And so what drew you to uh, to Mark's work? Like, how did you become aware of this workshop and decide, you know, maybe I'll check it out? Um, I just kind of threw myself into the ring. I thought I'm going to get my work out there. Like I hadn't to that point, I had been primarily servicing clients and, and, and doing that kind of thing. But I never really kind of threw my work out um, to the world <clears throat> in a way that it could be assessed or analyzed, especially my personal work. I mean, my commercial work obviously was out there all the time, but not my personal work. So that that's that kind of, it was kind of a setting the stage to, um, you know, to for an assessment and uh, hit, a, hit a bit of a wall. Hmm. Yeah. How long did that take to kind of climb back up? Um, right away, uh, I was uh, you know, I'm I'm very persistent. So right away, I had I had started doing a personal project, um, on and this was um, I wouldn't say it was so totally successful, but it was it was a an idea that I had, which was photographing the uh, Lake Ontario shoreline as it is, mm. kind of thinking you know, there's a, wanting to see what how we used the shoreline or how it was being utilized, and so that kind of I got kind of going on that probably just a little bit before this workshop. Then that workshop really kind of kicked me into high gear to get going on that. And, uh, and that led me to other avenues, such as my current, uh, my current love of street photography. So I kind of moved into that, which uh, as I learned more about photography, I got really interested in taking pictures more of people. Um, Why do you think that was? Like, what, what drew you to uh, the street scene? Oh, that's an interesting question. The the challenge, the challenge. It is, it's a very um, challenging form of photography. You have to use pretty much all your skills. Um, it's fast. Uh, you have to anticipate um, movement. Now, when I mean street photography, it means doing kind of candid photos of people um, going about their business, you know, on the street in public places. So it. You have to be fast, and you have to you have to really um, be prepared for failure because 
99% of all the images you make on the street are not going to be good. There's only going to be a small percentage because it's just sort of the way things come together. It's very challenging. So that, I like the challenge. Um, I like the fact that I was um, now including people in my photographs. Um, and I liked, I liked the ability to, you know, of, of not really knowing um, how successful I was going to be. So, yeah, it, there's a lot of interesting things about it. And can I ask you for the street photography, for example, but uh, but you can answer this for any of the genres that you do or client work. I'm I'm curious how people go about and prepare for a shoot, like whether they visualize, if they have expectations or a plan, or if they just kind of go in with, you know, their camera <laughs> and an open mind. I mean, what's, what's your uh, process? Well, um, of course, depending on what you are, you're photographing, each process is, is different. I'll answer the commercial shoots. Obviously, you need more equipment. Um, you need some lights. So you, you basically are packing a bigger bag. <clears throat> the street photography is very simple. It's a very simple process, and it's, it really is just a light bag. I have a um, fixed, I have a, a Fuji camera that has a fixed, 35-millimeter lens on it, one camera, one lens, and that's all I need on the street, which is really freeing. Which so, camera is that, by the way? Fuji X100T. Ah, I have the S. Do you? I would oh. really like to play around with the T. I know it's not that different, but... <laughs> great. They're great cameras, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, so I use that um, on the street all the time, and I just I find it really freeing, and um, it really simplifies... Uh, the image making process and the constraint of having the fixed lens I find really helps me make better photos because I have to kind of work harder at it you know I, I can't be switching lenses or I have to like move closer to subjects or really think about it more mm, throws you into gear a bit yeah I have to think a lot so that really helps with helps me um, with the process of making good images just you know, forces me to think more, which I think is is a good thing. So, and it's free. I don't have a lot of equipment. I mean, I used to, you know, I used to do the big packs with DSLRs and, and lenses, and uh, it would weigh you down. You know, especially for you know personal shoots, commercial shoots, you got to have lots of equipment. There's no doubt about it. So, just depending on what on what you're photographing. Sure. Different. Did you find there was um, some flexibility in the commercial shoots? I'm not terribly familiar with this uh, um, realm. Well, the commercial shoot I did, the interior, exterior uh, photographs of, um, they were high-end um, houses by custom home builders, and there wasn't a lot of flexibility at all. It was, it was very much uh, set. You know, they would say, okay, I want, uh, you know, seven angles of this kitchen, I want you to photograph this kitchen seven different angles. I want you to photograph, you know, the living room and so many angles. And I want pictures from the bathroom. And so it would, there wasn't a lot of flexibility when you're working for a client's uh, specific needs. They they will tell you exactly what they want. You can you know add a little creativity in the way you do the angles. And um, but there's a there's a, a time frame that it has to be done within and. You know, the images need to be in their hands, like, the next day. So there's not a lot of flexibility. It's more, um, you're being paid, so it's more like working to spec. So it's, it, it sort of, it does stifle your, 
personal creative process. And it's important, um, in my perspective as a photographer, to make sure that you uh, that you do do your own personal work. That you don't you don't just give in to the to the commercial side. I, I hear a lot of um, commercial photographers say that to make sure that you don't um, not shoot for yourself. Otherwise, you lose your edge. Right. And how uh, how difficult or easy did you find it to shoot personal projects while you're doing your your paid work? Um, tough. It was. It, it's harder. You. you know, and you had a family, right? I did. Yeah, I still do. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it, it is. There wasn't a lot of time. So, um, I was also working full time as well, as, as well as doing the part time shoots and the family thing. Oh, so wow. I didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of personal work, and that's um, and that unfortunately sort of leads to, you know, not your photography not rising to the to the next level. I feel it's getting better anyway. I'm getting there. We always feel, I don't know, I I find I hit waves with my own stuff where I feel like I'm making, you know, strides and I feel good about something. And then, uh, you know, and then there'll be a period of of just, you know, what what is this? There's there's nothing here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's, you know, I think that that's the, that is the real, what you just said is really true. I mean, it's, it's, the biggest challenge that I find in photography now is making sure that you spend the time editing your work really tough um, because, uh, you know, we take a lot of photos now with digital cameras. I mean, we can take, I mean, I can go out and shoot in a day in Toronto, walk in the streets and easily take 700 images. So the editing process to edit your work is really crucial. And um, if you spend time doing that, uh, I find that you can, you know, you sort of pick out your best images. So uh, it's a good, it's important to have a good editing process. Do, um, on that note, um, how do you go about making a selection of your work? Do you find that you have particular rules that you want to adhere to? Do you have a vision that you want to try and meet or like a statement? Or do you just, you know, do you go with instinct? How is it that you take a body of work and say, okay, which ones have the elements that I need? Oh, that's that's a, actually a really great question. I, um, it's it's a whole mixture of things. I mean, I'm looking for, um, now I'm talking about most of the stuff I edit now is street photography. So I'm looking for a really, really exceptional image that has um, some emotion in it, has some gesture in it, and has um, a combination of elements that... Um, can't be repeated. So I think one of the misconceptions is, is that street photography is just going out and taking pictures of people walking. And you see a lot of that, and that's really not the extraordinary. So you're looking for a circumstance that happens um, infrequently. Somebody may be smiling, somebody may be pointing somewhere. Uh, there's you know, something happening that's out of the ordinary. So that's what I'm looking for. Um, to answer your other question, um, I, I have a, a real process for editing that um, <clears throat> that takes that really takes a fair bit of time. So I, it really, I think it's really important. Um, unless you're working, if, if your work's not for commercial clients, it's really important to give the images a rest. You know, look at them when you upload them. And then don't go back to do any serious editing for a couple months. 
because I think it's important to sort of separate uh, your emotions. You know, could we take a photograph and it's like, this is really exciting. You know, I got a great image here. Like, you really get excited. But you sort of have to give it a little bit of a rest before you edit so you can separate some of that sort of excitement and enthusiasm that's in your mind when you took the photo. Mm-hmm. It's good to spend some time spend some time away from it so you can kind of look at it from new eyes. That really helps with the editing process. I, I keep hearing that, actually, um, from my guests as well as other uh, photography podcasts I may be listening to. Um, a lot of people say, you know, it's just you need to separate yourself from the photo because you do. there's a lot of emotion. I mean, that's that's kind of what you're going after when you're, when you're shooting. Um, and, there is. Uh, there is. If it's not... You know, presented in the work itself, then. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a, a lot of mistakes you make in that. Um, you know, you feel a real like if you're you know if you're photographing in a beautiful place and doing this great landscape shot. Um, you know, you may be on the, on the shoreline of the water, and of course you you know you're photographing, and the birds are singing, and you mm-hmm. know, the water is lapping up on the shoreline, and you know there's a beautiful smell in the air, but. You know, unless you can convey that in a photograph, um, people aren't necessarily going to get it. So, you know, it's good to sort of separate that, that feeling that you had from, because the viewer needs to get that feeling when he looks at the photo, unless, you know, unless you're successfully able to convey that. Um, that's not necessarily a great photo. So, that's you know, that's part of the editing process. I think that's the good idea of putting it down for a while. I mean, there's there's people, there's, there's the history of photography is, goes through a lot of photographers that took that to an extreme. Um, you know, I waited a couple months, but um, there was one fellow who was a New York Street photographer, Gary Winogrand. Um, he, used to, he used to wait like two years before he edited his photos. Uh-huh. He wanted to sort of totally separate, even remembering them. And I couldn't <laughs> wait that long. But I think it's... I think it's interesting that uh, people go to extremes to sort of separate that emotion. Do you share your work with other people during the selection and editing process? Do you enjoy or do you find you get anything out of sharing it with other photographers to see what kind of reaction or do you prefer to figure stuff out by yourself and then say, okay, this is, this is what I've decided? <laughs> I think a bit of both, actually. Um, I do I do like to share my work with with other photographers and get opinions. I think it's important to sort of have some constructive criticism. Uh, we have a we have a group of uh, photographers here in Peterborough. That's called the uh, the uh, Photographers Guild, and we we show prints uh, once a month. So we mm-hmm. we bring a, a matted print of our work and we put it in a it's kind of a little light box, so it, it's it's illuminated and. And uh, everybody comments on it. They just sort of say what they like about it, what they, how could they, you know, how could it be improved? Does it work? You know, you have to have a pretty thick skin because they go at it pretty good sometimes. Oh, that's. I think that's that's great. That's it hard is. to find actually. It is. It works really well because it really helps you, and it's it's not all. Oh, it's wonderful. It looks. You know, it's not like it's not like. Um, like mom or 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 your you know, <laughs> sibling looking at it going, oh, that's a great shot. You know, it's it's this more is the best of, photograph I've ever seen. <laughs> exactly. No, it works. It works much better. So, uh, how many people are in that group or the guild? Uh, there would be uh, twenty, twenty-five people. 
Yeah, it just depends on the meeting. But yeah, it's great. We also have some pretty. We have one fellow that's uh, a pretty renowned photographer. He comes out. He's um, Arnold Zagaris is his name. So he's really helpful as well. He's got a good insight into photos. So yeah, we get a lot of good feedback, and it's really good to get those to get those opinions from people. And yeah, so it is it is important, I think, to try to get your work out for people to look at. Um, and and some place where you can get good constructive criticism. Hmm. That's the key, but yeah, you sort of have to get to that point of which one you want to show people, right? So you do have to do some work on your own. Sure, yeah, yeah, you can't show them in your whole folder. So speaking of selection and editing and looking at other people's work, uh, so you're a part of the juried selection for the Spark Festival? Yeah, Can I'm, you uh, explain I'm the festival a little bit real quick? Sure, the Spark Photo Festival runs every April in the Peterborough and surrounding district. We do photographic exhibitions, so there's photog- any photographer can find a venue um, that wants to exhibit his work and then put together an exhibition in that, in that venue. We have probably about 50 exhibitions um, this year that are, are going to be shown, uh, some in uh, Campbellford, Lindsay, um, and as well as Workworth area, as well as Peterborough. Uh, there's um, some featured exhibitions that Spark is involved with. The juried exhibition is one of them. There will be a uh, Canada 150 exhibit as well. And so there's there's a couple that that um, that Spark sort of sponsors. But basically, it's just a celebration of photography. You can come out, look at you know some various photographers. Some of them are in uh, restaurants. Some of them are in galleries, um, just a variety of places. So that's the idea behind the, the Spark Photo Festival is, is basically how giving photographers a, um, a platform to show their work. Um, there's also other things that are sponsored. There's a, um, an educational component. Um, the festival director is working with the New Canadian Centre and uh, teaching uh, photography to new Canadians. Um, I was involved in one of the seminars. I saw that. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's very interesting. So it's you know it's branching out and it's um, it's growing. Um, the juried exhibition that I'm I'm part of will what we do is we um, we select 30 images from the competition and that's done by uh, we got three judges this year. So it's done by three judges. They pick the 30 um, photographs. We then We'll print the we'll print the photographs. So 11 by 17. We'll we'll map them. We'll frame them, and we'll show them for a month in a, a really interesting venue. It's uh, it's very gallery like. It's a uh, it's sort of an office of an architectural firm, and it's uh, it's a beautiful, well lit. Um, there's actually lighting and hanging. So it's very gallery like, and, and then we'll pick um, four top winners, which get prizes of the 30, so hmm. it's a good venue for photography. I think you were entered last year. I missed <laughs> your image, by the way. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm surprised. I have to bite my tongue when they're selecting, because I, no, I have no input into the selection process. I just have to sit there and put a clothespin over my mouth and let them do the picking. So. Yeah, no, well, absolutely. Can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the judges sure. this year? Sure. We have one fellow named Rick Bell. He's a commercial photographer. He's he was also um, part of the Professional Photographers of Ontario. I think he was past president. And he did a, um, 
he was involved in this Niagara College of Photography, which is it's not running now, but it, it was um, it was out of um, St. Catharines every summer. So he was involved with that. He was one of the one of the creators. We have another judge named Charles Van Odren, and he is a teacher at the Humber College Visual Arts School. So he's very involved in photography. And this year we have a lady named uh, Wendy uh, Gavaro, and she is uh, she is also um, quite well accredited with the Professional Photographers of Ontario, as well as being a commercial photographer. So we've got three three really good judges, and uh, it um, it's always fun to watch them make their selections. Like I say, they uh, they go back and forth a lot, but <laughs> they're they're very they're very good, and they do come out. We have an opening night usually where we give out the prizes, and they come out to the opening. Um, I don't know if all three of them will be there. Last year, the two were there, and they will discuss um, what they liked about the image and what they didn't like about the images. So the photographers get some feedback as well as the, at the opening. I see. Yeah, that's always helpful, isn't it? Oh, it is. Very much so. And how did you find your jurors um, or your I, judges? Yeah. Um, well, we, we have a, a fellow... Um, on our committee that um, that works for HP, um, he's they're one of the sponsors of the jury. They give out the prizes. Um, they give out, usually give out printers. This year they're they're giving out uh, little sprocket printers, which are will print out uh, like I said, so they're two by three or three by four inch uh, sticky print right from a phone. It's got like a Bluetooth connection. Oh wow! Yeah, so those are three of the prizes. So through him, um, he knew these other two, uh, two of these judges, and so we kind of moved, he, we kind of went with him, he said, you know, these guys are great, so we looked at their credentials and, and uh, contacted them, so he, he's been kind of our liaison for, for a lot of things, actually, he's a great guy, so very helpful to have on your committee. Ah, oh, that's nice. Especially someone with connections to the, to the world of, uh, of giving prizes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's a fun perk to have. <laughs> a good connection. It is. Um, for the uh, for the different judges, um, did you find uh, have you, how many judges have you had in in previous years? Is it? We had two. This year, we decided we're going to we were going to add a, a third tiebreaker because <laughs> we want we wanted to have a woman involved as well because we wanted to have we wanted to have that aspect. We we felt that was kind of missing in mm. past years. We wanted to make sure we had. We had a you know another another person, and so we wanted to make sure we had a female judge as well. Mm. Better perspectives and choices. And uh, what kind of uh, perspectives do they have? They brought in the past, I should say. Um, well, they bring different perspectives. I mean, the commercial photographer, you know, he's um, he's very involved in the, in, in that in that world, so he tends to see things a little bit more methodically. Mm-hmm. Um, our our judge from um, <laughs> from the Humber from Humber College tends to look at things a lot more creatively and abstract, um, with an abstract point of view. So the two of them definitely clash in their, in their viewpoints, but I, I think it's good to have sort of both, both opinions and, um, you know, as opposed to have sort of one-sided. And Wendy, I think she's going to add a, a total different dynamic to it. So I think, I think it's going to be interesting this year. That'll be, yeah. What she I'm, brings to it, but. I'm really um, curious. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if I'll be there in the process this year, but. <laughs> It's always interesting to see them on <clears throat> judging day what they what they tend to pick and what and why they pick it. So oh, what resonates with them, you know, it's it's 
it's fascinating. Yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, do you do you find that uh, like in the past? Is there any direction that's given for um, the selection process for your judges? Like, do you, do they kind of bring their own element? Do they just? Yeah, uh, we um, we don't um, we don't we don't interfere at all. <clears throat> and so far, the contest isn't big enough that we haven't separated, you know, sort of the altered reality from the mm-hmm. you know the straight photography. It's just it's all about the theme. Mm-hmm. So we let them we let them go pretty much. Uh, to what they believe is the best. So they, they will pick according to theme. So, I mean, the first thing they do is generally eliminate images that don't, uh, that don't um, show the theme, mm-hmm. and then they go from there after that. So that's, that's usually the first step they do is they're like, if it doesn't, you know, if it, if it doesn't meet the reflections theme at all, it, it's, it's put out right away. It doesn't matter how good it is. So then they get into the the selection from that point on but yeah no it's just a variety it's a variety and there's there's really there's no specific directions that are given to them it's just you know you pick what you think are the top 30 and um yeah that's how it works um do you i'm I'm curious for so let's say you have uh, photographers who want to get more into uh that um critiquing side of things um Mm -hmm. as a juror or such what would you like how would you recommend they they proceed in terms of um i don't know areas or competitions or like how does one get into the world of uh of judging photography well that's a good question it's i think it's just the experience really i think it's just the experience as a photographer it's um you know it's it's being able to um i guess it's also having some success in photography as well you know, also also being able to say that you're either you've uh, <clears throat> you can sell photography or you you have a lot of experience in the business. So it I think it takes time to be uh, to to be good at critiquing work, and it means looking at a lot of work too. So that I think is one of the most important things in being a good photographer is just looking at really good photography. And one of the easiest and simple things to do now with <clears throat> with the access we have on the internet, I mean, we can look up any you know any photographer's work. You can just go boom and look at it, and uh, so it's really at our fingertips. And I think sometimes people um, tend to look at, at too many <clears throat> ordinary photos. Um, there's a lot of ordinary photos that you know you can find on the internet, but you really need to look at top name photographers, master photographers, look at their work. I think that helps you um, better able, makes you better able to critique work uh, when you're seeing what a successful photograph, you know, has been in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're able to, to be able to note really good photography, you're able to critique it better. So it's just looking and spending the time. That's probably the best advice I can give you. And because um, the first thing that uh, that I think of when you say that is, you know, you go through and you look at the different photographers out there, you know, photographers whose work you admire, and uh, you look at their different pieces um, or projects. And how would you recommend someone go about actively or proactively, you know, 
looking at something versus passively looking at someone's work. Does that is that make sense as a question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, actively looking at their work, um, you you probably need to be um, you probably need to look at um, you probably need to look at uh, excellent photographers and actively spend the time um, looking at their work. You know, one photo at a time. Um, when you're looking at somebody's photographs, I mean, the first thing you're going to do is immediately as if there's an impact. Um, you know, of course, we all know sort of the basic rules of photography, the rule of thirds, you know, whether it's good light, bad light. Um, all that stuff matters, but um, a good photograph kind of goes beyond that, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you can have a perfect photograph that doesn't really say anything strongly. I think you need to sort of get into a almost a, a photograph that goes beyond that, you know, that says more than that. So um, I, my first advice to that is if you're going to actively look at photographs, make sure you get some good-name photographers. And, they're, they're, you know, it depends on what genre of photography interests you. Mm-hmm. But find the very best um, photographers in the genre that you're interested in. If it's portraits, you know, maybe you need to look at Irving Penn, who did really cool black-and-white portraits the way he did it, I mean fantastic stuff. If it's um, street photography, then you need to look at, you know, somebody like Alex Webb, who's a current photographer. If it's uh, nature photography or landscape photography, I mean, Freeman Patterson is a is really good at that. So actively, first thing is if you, if you get their photography, then you can look a lot more in-depth at it. Um, on the, you know, on social media, they're, depending on where you look, there are good photographs, but there's also a lot of very ordinary images up there. Don't sort of saddle yourself with the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Try to go with the really good stuff because that'll help you. If you are going to criti- be critiquing photographs, that will help you. Uh, that will help your eye better. What are some things that you admire in photographers that you like? What what elements of their work do you find really admirable? Uh, their ability to communicate. Their ability to communicate a story successfully. What I really love is if a photograph makes me linger, mm-hmm. uh, there's more to look at than just, you know, something I can passively see anywhere. There's something that that makes me want to look deeper. There's an aspect to it that, you know, <clears throat> resonates or connects me visually. So it, it's it's almost a it's almost a love, you know, it, there's some, and it's different, too. I think that's the other thing. After you've been in the business for a while, you get <clears throat> really tired of seeing the same old photographs. You know, I'm not suggesting that a photograph of a sunset is not beautiful and not stunning, but, I mean, I've seen a lot of them. So I, I tend to say, okay, you know, that's a beautiful sunset, but I don't look at it and linger as long it, I need something that tells me a story, something that that um, you know that makes me look longer. Sure, an interaction. <laughs> I wanted to ask. Um, oh, so many things. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you you explained a little bit about uh, your shoreline per- project yeah. as a personal project of yours. Yeah, it, it was a personal project. I I did it. Um, Probably from 2010 to probably about 2014, and I mean the goal of it was to just 
document the shoreline of Lake Ontario, looking at sort of the good and bad uses of it, you know, to see where we were at. Um, <clears throat> was it totally successful? Um, I don't think it was totally successful. I mean, it, it sort of was an interesting personal project in that I thought it was, I thought it was kind of cool, you know, seeing the shoreline use, and it, it really varied. I mean, you go down to, um, you know, Toronto and, and the, you know, the, the horseshoe, the Golden Horseshoe area, and, of course, the uses of the, the shoreline, there's still a lot of bad uses and a lot of pollution. You know, you get out towards your way, Kingston, and, and you know, down um, towards Picton and that, and, it, you know, there's a lot more natural areas. So it, it was just sort of um, connecting with the lake and, and photographing, um, you know, the shoreline as I saw it. Uh, that was the goal of it. So. Yeah, what an interesting education. Yeah, there's a lot of people that, a lot of photographers that do that. You know, they, they will pick an area and photograph it. I mean, you know, pe- photographers like to go on road trips and photograph a variety of things. So that's, uh, you know, that's kind of, um, it's kind of historical as well. It's, um, there's all kinds of great ideas. There's a Mark Power, who you talked about earlier, he did this. Uh, um, he did this the photography of um, of England, where he he went around and and photographed different areas. Um, and it was from this. Um, he did the coordinates. There was a, a weather report show that was famous in England about the weather of the sea, and they would give these different coordinates. And he traveled to all the coordinates and photographed, oh, um, wow. which was an interesting idea as well. So. His was definitely more successful than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like he has a little bit more free advertising as well. <laughs> uh, well, it's you know what? It's all of, it's the thing about about being if you if you want to be a successful photographer, you have to be able to to deal with failure for sure. Mm, yeah. you have to have a tough skin because it's uh, you know it's 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 a tough business for sure. What what kind of draws you to um, a personal project? Well, I'm. I don't know. You know, it, it's. I think I kind of look at things in a, in the in the context of interesting things to uh, you know in the Canadian perspective. Um, right now, I'm working on uh, a project. I've been working on this project for two years now. It's um, it's photographing the, the people of the financial district in Toronto, mm-hmm. and I got really fascinated with that when I started to look at it and say, okay, well, there's like two hundred thousand people that go in and out of there every day and work in that area, and I thought. This is kind of interesting from the Canadian context that there isn't anything like it anywhere in Canada. So I started to go down there and photograph people commuting in and out of the district and going about their business and you know having breaks and uh, and that kind of stuff. So that's I've been doing that now for a couple of years and uh, I don't know how long it's going to go on for. I still I'm still pretty fascinated by it. So what are you learning from it? Um, I'm learning a lot about our society. I'm learning a lot about um, what you know certain trends are. I mean, obviously, um, our our love of electronics is just huge. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's got their their phone in their hand, and uh, yeah. So that you know, I'm learning about that, but also just sort of styles, fashion, <laughs> the way people move. There's a big rush. There's you know, there's a lot of movement, um, but there's also a lot of interaction too. There's just a lot of people talking and a lot of people kind of enjoying life. So it's it's interesting. You think it's you know it's this kind of dry area, but it's it's full of life. But it's only full of life during the weekday. You know, it's uh, 
It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I find it fascinating anyways, and it's a really good good place to get interesting juxtapositions of people on, you know, doing different things. So, so that's my latest thing right now. So that yeah. and a few other few other projects. I always got a few things on the go at once, so. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. How might you describe your personality, and how would you say it's influenced your craft? Wow, <laughs> very nice question. Well, I'm a, I'm definitely an introvert, um, not an extrovert. I'm I'm an introvert, and I think I got into photography because I'm I'm a very big nature buff, and uh, mm-hmm. that's that was kind of my lead into photography. It was just a it was a way for me to um, explore something I loved with my camera. So my personality is very much. Um, I'm also I also like to move a lot. Um, I was asked this question actually the other night. Um, I'm not someone who is patient. Um, I can I can't spend a lot of time in a spot. I hear that a lot as well, actually. <laughs> I like to keep moving. So <clears throat> you know, there's some photographers that can that can just stay in one spot and patiently wait for a long time for a photograph. I can maybe wait five, ten minutes, and then I get bored. I need to move on. So I guess I'm, I'm also, I like to walk, and I like to move. So my personality is, is one of, of not being super patient. And, um, yeah. and also just, I think just having a, a fascination for, um, I'm also fascinated with ordinary things. Um, you know, I, I, like to, I like to see, I like to try to make a photograph out of, out of ordinary things that aren't um, that people will walk by and not see, um, I find myself fascinated with uh, you know ordinary subject matter such as signs sometimes or uh, you know crazy things like there, if there's a if there's a texture in a pile of snow or if there's I find myself fascinated with with um, with things that are common. I, uh, I I identify with you um, for sure in that respect, and I and I sometimes, well, often, feel like a broken record, and uh, you know I'll be walking with someone or something will be happening, and I'll say, guys, guys, this is so pretty, and just nothing. I mean, they're like, yeah, no, that's yeah, it's it is nice. Like, no, guys, this is so pretty. <laughs> like I just can't, you know, get over it. But it's it, it is it's that attention to detail and all the tiny little things that that contribute to something being the way it is. It's uh it's I don't know, mind blowing sometimes, but at the same time it's incredibly ordinary. Yeah, and it's you know, ordinary things can look so spectacular if there's really good light on them. Mm. Like it they can look so wonderful. I I don't know if you're familiar with um Freeman Patterson's work at all. Um, he's kind of an old school photographer, but he has taken photos of the most ordinary things and made them so beautiful. Um, he's taken pictures of, you know, a stack of, of jeans that he's just washed and, um, just the, the photos are absolutely spectacular and you, and it's all because of, of shapes and, um, different lines and, you know, it's not looking at it as a pile of jeans, it's looking at it as, you know, there's interesting triangles or there's interesting, uh, you know, shapes in in the genes. So it's looking at things in a very, um, um, you know, different fashion. It's not labeling them, and I, I think that's that has really stuck with me um, ever since I I studied him many years ago. Is is his his ability to to take labels off things and not call them something, just look at them from 
you know, the, the shapes and, and, and what, what they show and the way the light's shining on them. And so that, that I think, is, is good training for any photographer to do that. You know, sometimes believe that we need to go to these fantastic places to take pictures, you know. Mm. You need to go on a tropical island somewhere if you're going to get good photos. <laughs> but, I mean, the reality is that there's photos everywhere. Yeah. You know, everywhere you look, there's potential for a good photograph. It's oh. just sort of our mind. Right? And someone's come into your place and taken amazing photos because it's foreign to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a fascination. There's, you know, and that's, I think part of doing uh, a project or working on something um, intensively for a while means that you have to continue to look harder. Um, you know, you have to continue to see things that are that are interesting, and um, it forces you to to um, you know to look more. And I think that's 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 the important thing in photography. We we sometimes walk by things, or you know, we don't have time to photograph that day, or um, it's just yeah, it's important to do that. So um, ordinary things are great. Uh, my next question for you is, what do you think is the most worthwhile investment you've made so far? So, for example, that could be anything from you know your time, your money, your energy, your initiative. Is there something, anything in particular that you feel has really shaped your photography? That's an interesting question. The thing that shaped my photography, what thing has been the best investment? Certainly not equipment. I would say the the biggest thing that's shaped my photography is looking at good photography. I really would. I know I've I've already sort of mentioned that, but I you know the, I think the the two things that you need to do to be you know the best investments you can make in photography is not it's definitely not buying you know, the very best equipment. It's photographing lots and looking at good photos, and that'll get you, you know, really far because it just, it, it whets your appetite, it educates you. Um, we, we get too obsessed with uh, technique books, and, um, you know, I mean, workshops have been helpful too, but, you know, you could go overboard and take workshops on everything, and I think photography is best learned by doing and by looking. Those are the best investments I think I've made for sure, and I learned. I came to that later in life. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I had to learn everything about technique when I was working commercially, and I spent a lot of time working on technique and looking at how-to books, and I didn't realize that there was, uh, you know, this huge history of photography um, that was, you know, something I should have been immersing myself in. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that is my my greatest investment is immersing myself in good photos and photographing lots, mm. like making a ton of mistakes, just photographing all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember um, I went skating once with a few friends, and we just went out skating on the lake, and it was, you know, really beautiful, really lovely. And I remember thinking there were th- four of us maybe, and the three of us were kind of mediocre skaters, but, you know, we stayed up, we we could skate, we just, you know, couldn't really do too, too much. And there was this one person who was with us who was a really, really good skater, but 
he also fell down half the time. <laughs> and I remember looking at that and thinking, yeah, he's a really good skater, but he also pushes himself and takes risks and, and, and he falls down as a result, but then he gets up and he, he can skate backwards way better than any of us. So he just, he just sort of had a lot more... Uh a lot more bravery and a lot more will to just keep going kind of thing. Yeah, well, and I, I think he just learned that that's, that's how, that's, you know, par for the course. Yeah, yeah, I, that's, you know, I think that, that is a, that's a great thing, and I, I think, I think it is, I think you can transfer that over to photography for sure, just keep going, keep photographing, keep making images, um, and, you know, and, and make sure that you, um, you look, you edit, you know, your work well, and to get your best work out to people. So that's another important point of it. And you're gonna, you're gonna fail sometimes. You're gonna get other people that don't like your work, and that's okay. I mean, if you really like something that you've done, that's, that's good enough. You know, you do it because you enjoy it. And there's been all kinds of photographers that have done stuff that's been, you know, totally, totally weird stuff in the past, and um, you know, they don't. Uh, they don't stop doing it, and they get known for that, and uh, it, and that's okay. So, you know, I used to think that <coughs> that we, you know, we can alter images now more than ever before. But looking back at as I'm learning more about the history of photography, I find that it's been done since photography began. People did all kinds of abstract stuff and weird stuff, <laughs> and darkroom images and manipulated stuff. So the stuff that's happening today is just an extension of that. It's easy to it's easier to do today than it was then, but it's still just an extension of all that. So, yeah, that's a great that's a great example. Somebody skating and falling down and getting up and skating again. I think that's kind of that is a good analogy for for becoming a photographer, really. Definitely. You were saying that when you took your workshop with with Mark Power, that that you kind of hit a wall. What other techniques or strategies do you have when encountering obstacles like that? I think it's important to just, when you hit an obstacle in photography and all of a sudden you may be, I mean, we all go through phases in life, and I mean, sometimes, you know, you're going to be photographing more than other times. Um, probably the best thing to get through that is <clears throat> working on a project. If you're working on a project, it's going to keep you going. I mean, it's gonna, as long as you're interested, as long as it's something you're passionate about or something you feel strongly about, that's a good way to get through um, roadblocks because um, you feel like you still have something to keep doing. You know, if, if you're kind of endlessly going and taking pictures and you have just random stuff, that's okay. But if you hit a roadblock, you're, like, not as eager to go out and start taking random pictures. So um, it's good to develop a, a project that, you, that you've been working on, that you're going to work on, um, take, you know, in photography. And actually, it's good to articulate that as well, to, to write down sort of what it is that you're doing. And I think that helps you to overcome roadblocks, because as long as you're interested in photographing that project, it, it gives you sort of a something to come back to, you know, something to keep going. So I think that's how I got through it. Um, I had a project when I went into the Mark Power workshop and I kind of I kind of picked it up again. He was actually enthusiastic about the project I was doing. So that that was good. Um, so I kind of picked it up. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, it was like, yeah, but a lot of these photographs I've taken aren't really great, you know. So um, it, it kind of, 
I think it, I think you sort of have to look at it as a learning curve, and that you have to, um, you know, look at um, was it Winston Churchill that said, you know, um, success is moving from one failure to another failure with great enthusiasm. <laughs> that effect, and that that kind of sticks with me too, because you kind of do, right? You have to kind of keep going, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's all part of the process, right? And either way, I feel like whether you feel like you've been fulfilled by the project that you're doing, someone somewhere is affected by the work that you do. And I mean, it's a learning process anyway, but it is, you know, I find I, I definitely do stuff where I'm like, yeah, that was mediocre. And someone else might say, you know, I really, that made me think a lot. (laughs) Oh, well, good. And that's, that's great. That's what you want to do. And, um, like, as long as you're interested and as long as it's something that is good, you know, that you're really interested in. And, and you know, Mark Power talking about um, projects, you know, he was saying that, you know, it's not only something that you're passionate about to develop a project. It's also something that it's not a good project is something that angers you. And I thought that was a really kind of a cool comment because I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, maybe there's a social issue that, that drives you crazy, you know, maybe it's homelessness, maybe it's an environmental issue, you know, maybe something that makes you angry. The thing is, it creates emotion in you, and it's something that's, that's important to you, and I thought, oh, that's kind of a good take on a project, because a lot of times we just think, oh, it's something I'm really interested in, but, you know, it could be a, could, there's all kinds of things you can do projects on, so, and photography is just, you know, that's the thing I love about it, it's, there's so many, there's so many subjects that you can photograph, it, it goes with you through your life as your interests change. You know, maybe you're interested in photographing sports photography for a while, you know, then maybe you'll move into street photography like I am right now. It's, um, it, it's, there's so many areas to discover and to, uh, to be better at. That's what I love about it. Uh, I try to ask every guest this question. If you were in my chair and you were interviewing a photographer whose work you admired what what would you ask them wow that's a good question i never really thought about that but um okay. sorry i, I should have I warned could... you <laughs> no that's okay that's okay i would um i guess i'm just curious about what other other people are curious about what catches their well, eye well I, w- I would ask them uh I, I probably would ask them about a specific project they were working on and i, I would ask them that you know what um what what has driven them? Like what what is what has driven them as a photographer to photograph um, this project? Like why are they why are they enthralled with it? What what are they interested in? And what are they trying to accomplish? Because you know photographers all have sort of goals that they're trying that they're trying to accomplish. So I would ask you know what what are the goals of a specific project that they're working on? You know what what are they trying to show with it? What are they you know what 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 interests them? Try and understand their motivation. I think, and, and that would help me, um, you know, that would help me in what I was doing to see what motivated them. So that would be my question. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, and uh, where can people find you? How do you, how do you share your work? Um, they can go to my website. That's sort of where everything comes out of. But it's um, randall2lsromano.com, and you can sort of see my work there and the, the street photography work I'm doing and... And uh, basically, that's the best place to look at my work. (laughs) (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for making time and coming out and uh, chatting with me. The hour has flown by. (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and I wish you the best with your photography. Keep it up. Well, that was my conversation with Randy Romano. You can find his work at randallromano.com. That's R-A-N-D-A-L-L-R-O-M-A-N-O.com. And you can also find links to his work through my Facebook page, Uh, You can just search at CFRC Depth of Field and my page will pop up. Uh, Once there, you'll be able to check out previous guests and links to their interviews as well. I am currently working on a better way to present these interviews, so stay tuned for that. And if you want to check out some of my personal work, the best place to check that out is on Instagram, which you don't need to have an account for viewing purposes. Just type at the ugly umbrella into the search bar and again my stuff will be right there and if you have any questions feel free to message me uh, through either of those mediums that's it for this week have a good night and see you next saturday